Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join me on an overcast and empty day here in the capital. I'm Matthew O'Neill, and today, as always, we ensure that we have a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. First, we're joined by Alan Martin, Director of Food for Thought, a long-established chain of health food stores who have been trading for over 25 years. Alan, hello. Hello there. Thank you for coming on the program today. Um, before we actually get into our conversation on leadership, it'd probably be appropriate for us to address the ongoing COVID-19 uh, situation. How has that affected your business? Um, I think it'd be fair to say it's uh, turned on its head. We've had to uh, react very quickly. We're still open. We're still trading. Um, but we've had to uh, find very quickly new ways to work, um, uh, ensuring that we're following the, the current guidelines um, and making sure that we're keeping uh, everybody safe, our team uh, that's operating the stores and, of course, our uh, our customers and the delivery guys who are still delivering into the stores daily. So um, I think there's been a number of challenges that hit us um, quite quickly. Now, what sort of precautions have you put into place to deal with the uh, with the issue of um, uh, contagion? Uh, well, we're, we're obviously following uh, the government guidelines, uh, so emphasising uh, social distancing. Um, the particular for the team, frequently washing hands, making sure that they're wearing gloves if they're handling uh, unwrapped foods because we are still selling a huge amount of uh, fresh produce. So we're making sure that people are taking good care um, when they're replenishing the shelves. Um, where uh, We have posters up uh, notifying customers uh, of their needs to keep a distance, keep two meters apart. We put markings on the shop uh, floor. Uh, near to the tool points and throughout the store so that people get a a kind of sense of what two meters actually is. It can be quite difficult sometimes when uh, you're in shopping and uh, you're perhaps more, um, uh, you know, attending to what you want to buy rather than who's near you. So we are keeping reminding people and we're also limiting the number of people that are in the store. So for the size of our stores, uh, no more than uh, five shoppers at a time. We have someone by the door. Uh, we're making sure that we hand people a basket when they come in. Uh, we've only got five baskets available. That way that we uh, we can keep um, an account of who's actually in there. Uh, baskets are completely sanitized before they return to the front. And we're asking people just to form an orderly queue outside the door. Mm. Are you having any problems in your supply chain? Um, initially, we did because um, I, I think things hit us before we were actually aware of what was happening. Suddenly, there was um, uh, panic buying and people um, uh, stockpiling goods. So we, because we we don't run our stores with uh, vast. Uh, stock rooms, what you see is what we have. We don't have any backup. Uh, we rely on um, our suppliers being, if you like, our stock room and daily deliveries. So we were hit really hard in that first week um, where people just kind of stripped the shelves. Um, initially, we were getting replenished stock st- 
Seoul Daily until the suppliers ran out. And I think that's when it really hit home. So at the point where suppliers were waiting for their manufacturers or suppliers um, uh, selling back into them, uh, that's where it broke down a bit. I have to say, though, that um, with the... uh, the wholesaler distributors that we use, um, they showed an immense amount of uh, real leadership. They had plans um, afoot. They went into action. And I think now we're seeing service levels from the, the main distributors back up at, at least sort of 50, 60%. Um, and that was from a, a low of perhaps maybe 20%. Um, uh, just in the aftermath of all the, the panic buying. And have you had to institute any sort of uh, product rationing? Uh, it's a real difficult one because, um, you know, you, you could say to someone for one item, you can only have one of that, but for something else, you can have two or three. Um, what we decided to do in our stores, and I encouraged all the staff, if you see someone come to the till with more items than you think they need. It's just, you know, ask them, do you need to have all of these today? Or could you perhaps come back and buy some on your next shopping trip? So we're being very careful not to inflame uh, people. You could see were anxious and worried. Uh, so we, we felt that by just, you know, gently, do, do you need to have all of these? Uh, most people kind of got it and with them thinking, say, well, actually, no, maybe I'll can I have two or can I can I have three of that or whatever. And we um we we adopted that approach in all the stores and it seems to have worked really, really well. I think we were putting it back on to the customer to make the judgment and you could see people generally they, they would stop for that split second and think and most would say you know, yeah, I, I'll I'll take less or I'll take fewer items. Um, there, there was odd customers who might say, "Well, we we're we're also buying for you know an elderly relative." Mm. So I I think you know there, there was no cut and dry. You you know you, you had to also take uh, a stance on it. But if you felt that it was genuine, um, uh, you. You might let someone have some extra uh, items, but in the main, um, I—it's not been a problem. It, you know, we've we've I think managed that quite successfully. Well, it's a, it flies in the face of normal retail thinking, doesn't it? Normally, you'd want your customers to be buying as <laughs> yes. much as possible and having to Absolutely. ask them to uh, to uh, uh, practice restraint. Hopefully, it doesn't last after this is over with. Um, well, we might as well move on to the subject of leadership. I always like to start the conversation off with a very simple question, and that is, what does the word leader mean to you? Um, I, I think to me, it's someone who shows um, a, a positiveness in all that they do, you know, uh, being positive, um, being someone that uh, you can rely on in uh, a moment of crisis. I, I think for me, it's, it's, uh, it's a bit like, um, you know, you have an insurance policy, but you, you never know how effective it is until you make the claim. Right. And then you find there's all these clauses that um, prevent you from, uh, you know, uh, claiming. Uh, so I, I think in leadership, it's it's a bit like that as well. Um, uh, although 
generally, as I say, um, I'm looking towards someone who has uh, a good positive uh, outlook on life. How do you help uh, your staff maintain a positive outlook on life? Um, I, I personally have got things that I encourage everybody that, that works uh, with Food for Thought and uh, all of us, which is our third store, uh, which is part of the, the Food for Thought group. Um, but I, I always encourage people uh, to look at um, what they contribute to the business. Why? Uh, why are they there? Why are they working uh, in Food for Thought? Uh, you know, so it's, it's it's like your purpose. You know, what, what brought you to um, apply for a job there? Was it just I needed a job? So I encourage people to think about what their purpose is, what they can contribute. Because I don't think it's about just coming in and standing on the till or unpacking boxes or serving customers. You have to think about what you're contributing by doing that. And I encourage collaboration. That's a, that's a huge thing for me. And it's on loads of different levels, collaborating with each other, collaborating with uh, people in one of our other stores, collaborating with uh, other businesses in the area or suppliers. Um, and I think if we get all of that right, um, we get feelings of accomplishment at the end of the day. And I, I kind of say to people, uh, from my personal experience, that if I go home uh, tired and, you, you know, at the end of the day um, and just ready to flop onto the, the sofa, I can do that um, still feeling great because I've accomplished whatever I, I did mm. that day. So I always look to see um, it may be re-merchandising a section or um, uh, doing a display or whatever, but having... Uh, found the thing that day that gave me the feelings of accomplishment. Um, I think that's what makes it worthwhile. And I, I use those four things with all the team. I constantly encourage them to, to look at what their perspective is, what their contribution is to the business. Now, we become um, a, a, a more cohesive team, I believe. Now, unfortunately, Alan, uh, the sand has fallen through the hourglass and our time is up. Uh, but before I let you go, what does next 12 months have in store for Food for Thought? Oh, well, I think uh, short term, we have to um, get over the situation we're in. Um, medium term, we've got to try and rebuild um, uh, where we were at. And uh, the longer term is the hope that we'll get back to uh, where, where we were before. And uh, underlying and underpinning all of that is I remain positive um, that we can do that. Well, Alan, it's been an absolute pleasure discussing leadership with you. And I very much hope uh, that we can have you back on the program again when everything has uh, calmed down outside. Alan, thank you. Thank you. That was Alan Martin, Director of Food for Thought, and now, if you haven't heard it before, is Jonathan White's exclusive interview with Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, we're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final, Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, thank you very much for coming on today. Uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon. Uh, and perhaps I should uh, start and get it over and done with. I know you must be bored with it and uh, you've probably been asked a thousand times. But when you got out for a duck playing for Essex, uh, Jeff, what was going through your head at the time? (laughs) 
Well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. Although there are one or two people who are very familiar um, who, who do Google me and realize that I did uh, score nothing for Essex. Uh, for my only game for Essex first team when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool, a place called uh, uh, Egbert in, in, uh, in Liverpool. Many, many years ago, 1962, I think that was. So I didn't, um, yes, I didn't really feel it at the time. It was lucky to be playing, I guess, one or two injuries. Um, But the problem that I had was was really messing about between the two sports. That was very detrimental to me uh, over that period of time, Mm. being stuck between the two sports. And I think uh, for those that uh, don't know, there's there's another world that might exist where... um, so Jeff Hurst was a, a first-class cricketer and not perhaps a, a footballer. But um, whether it's business or cricket or, or football, obviously the importance of leadership, it can't be understated, no matter what form that comes in. When you were at West Ham, uh, Jeff, and when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, uh, came along, he made obviously some pretty radical changes. Was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him? Absolutely. I mean, he, he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, at the football. And uh, the, the quite always mentioned when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who was played under him and has been very successful as a player and, and the manager over many, many, many years. He and He's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over years, I guess. He would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach he had worked with. He'd work with. So you're very fortunate. I think you, you think you're lucky when you come across if you have a great teacher at school and a great coach, as we had in Ron Greenwood, and of course, a great manager in South Ramsey. So to come across people like that of that calibre can have a huge influence on your, your career, of course, and, and then your life. And that's, that's quite purely the case. Absolutely. And in those early days um, at West Ham, uh, with, with a manager like, like uh, Ron uh, there, it's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with your other players. And of course, they become your friends. Who did you look at to at the time uh, when to inspire confidence in yourself? Was it more? Was it Peters? I think probably, well, I was very fortunate to play with the calibre of the players I did. Again, again, extremely fortunate to play with the, the captain. Um, of England and West Ham and Martin Peters, who was a fantastic player. And some, as far as Martin's concerned, I think sometimes he didn't quite get the uh, recognition he deserved and what a wonderful player he was. In terms of inspiring confidence, I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me, I guess, would be the captain, Bob Noor. Although he was only uh, about eight months older than me, he graduated through the system probably three or four years earlier he played for England in 62, four years before the final when I played. And so he, he was more, looked upon him more as a senior player, if you like, not as a, a guy with the same age group as me. And I looked at how he how he uh, trained, how he acted, how he behaved and how he played. And so he, he would say, I would also say he was a big influence on me. One thing I would say about leadership uh, well, I do. I do understand clearly. All walks of life, leadership is at the top. is absolutely vital for a, a for a business, a football team, in any walk of life to be successful. And it's quite evident. I was in the motor trade for a long time as well, selling car warranties. 
to car dealerships. And you could almost tell when you walked into the business, uh, in the, many of the car dealerships, you could almost tell from the moment you walked in by initial reaction, people came and welcomed you that the business was well run or conversely not well run at all. And so I understand the, the, the value and quality of leadership. And that's why I'm very fortunate to be involved with my career in those early days with two, two great leaders in, in Ron Greenwood and, and Al Ramsey. Absolutely. And, um, uh, since you've already uh, brought him up, uh, Jeff, I think it'd be remiss not to go a little bit further with that. But obviously, uh, after uh, oh, at West Ham, your uh, plane came to the attention of uh, South Ramsey. Now, there's a man, I'm sure, when you walked into a room, you knew who was um, in charge. When it came to managing that England team, what was his style like, Jeff? Well, one thing, especially thing I say about Ramsey, he's probably over my life the most powerful influence who had on me um, as a person. Um, naturally, it happens to an extent because he's got your whole career in his hand, whether he picks you for England or he doesn't pick you. It can have a great impact on your, <laughs> your career and of course your life. But yep. in that era, I was involved for six or seven years. He, it was quite clear who was the boss. He was quite very, very strict. Probably at a time at maybe overly strict by the time you probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today's football because it's changed dramatically in how you deal with with players then and players now. But he was the most powerful man I came across and very few people and he, he was quite ruthless in getting people out who didn't want to be who didn't want to be part of a group, part of a team. It is important that if you've got a group of people and that's in any walk of life, they're all singing off the same hymn for you and you don't have anybody that's griping or moaning about the system. And if you've got people like that in the organisation, one thing I have learned and I've taken on in my life, my family, you've got somebody in a group that doesn't want to be part of it, you, you get them out. And Alf, I think, was was quite ruthless with that in his, in his staff. And I think that's one, thing I, one of the most serious ones I think I've learned over a long period of time. And is there, do you think... Uh a specific moment, I'm sure there's probably dozens, but is there a specific moment, if you could uh, perhaps pick right now, that did show those uh, qualities in uh, Sir Alf so uh, sharply? Yes, I think for, for me, certainly, um, I think there are instances of players who you thought would, would be in the team, or certainly in the squad, and surprising there were not. There was no necessary reason for it, but looking mm-hmm. back, I do think perhaps they were people that Alf didn't think wanted to be part of a group. Um, so that that's that's for me. In terms of my personal view, I think that it looked prior to the um, World Cup that I was going to be playing um, in it only a few games before. I was I was playing and I played with Jimmy Greaves in the game against Yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final. And it looked at that stage as if I was going to be be playing in, in the team but uh, in a couple of friendly games more friendly games before the final in Poland and uh, uh, Norway I think in Denmark mm. I didn't I played two of the four games and I probably didn't quite replicate my my form that I'd been showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England and he he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against uh, Uruguay he started off with Jimmy Green and Roger Allen. So I, I had an impact of thinking I at that stage I, like I was going to play and didn't start because of just 
a lack of form or didn't play quite well enough to justify my position. And somewhat fortuitously, I only got back in the team because of a, a nasty gash to shin um, on Jimmy Lee's leg. And I think what you've said there, uh, Jeff, actually does sum that up really well. And more than that, whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those qualities, it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them. And there really must have been moments, maybe there weren't, but uh, let us know in that 66 competition, the prolonged pressure on all of you, you know, the weight of a nation, did it get to you? Oh, not for me personally, no. I, I think, and I don't, uh, not for me, not for a second. I think mm. I was just happy to be, you know, be involved in the squad initially. Uh, not at all. I didn't, you're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really, looking back out. Mm. So I never really felt, people talk about pressure a lot, and it's there, and people, players talk about people talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessary to feel any great pressure, pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important, to say about Alf Ramsey, people he, he left behind that were left in the squad after he'd moved one or two players out, the squad were uh, a, a bunch of very hard-nosed, professional, uh, top-quality people. And that was, again, the leadership that Al showed. He, he got people in together that were very, very strong personally. Um, uh, and I think that was part of the success we had. We were a very... I always describe our, our group as hard-nosed professionals. Um, we have some great players, but overall, they were great hard-nosed professional players um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with, you know, over the years. And Jeff, I've got to ask, and I'm, I'm not making this up, I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not you realise there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else. Well, I... I did some theatre shows last year. They've gone fairly well, and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows. In fact, starting this week, over the next uh, two or three months. And uh, at the end of the theatre shows, we have about 20 minutes where we uh, uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions. And the, the, there's, I won't mention both. They're too long to talk about both questions. Um, one, the other one's a really stupid one. It's too long for me to tell you. It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. But the, the, the other ridiculous question I get asked, did I realise there were people on the pitch? And of course I jokingly say, yes, I was just about to, to shoot to score the goal and I looked round, put my foot on the ball and looked round for a little while and said, oh dear, there are six or seven people running on the pitch. So that's, uh, I've had been asked that once at one of the theatre shows. <laughs> so I joke, make a joke about that and saying, yes, I put my foot on the ball and waited to just have a, have a glance round, you know. Maybe it does prove there are things that such as stupid questions, really. Um, oh, yeah, there, are, there certainly are. I've got another one which I won't bore you with. It won't be too long to tell you. Uh, I was in a Jersey, or Channel Lines, Jersey or Jersey, two or three mm. years ago, and most stupid, irrelevant questions, absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever, which uh, was absolutely... But I can use that now because it, it is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe another time then. But we... Um, uh, well, you want me, I, I can tell you if you want. You want. You got time. I can tell, I tell you if you want. Jeff, go on. Go. On. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay. So I was uh, doing a, a, at a dinner in the you know, Channel Lines, three or four hundred people, black tie dinner, uh, guest of honor, mm-hmm. 
on this occasion, I was speaking for about 20 minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience at the end of the evening. And there was usual football questions. And then all of a sudden, I had a, somebody at the back who, who asked a question. I didn't quite hear what he said. He didn't have the microphone with him. So I said, I didn't hear what he said. Can you please give this chap the microphone so I can hear clearly what he said? So the chap had the mic and he said, when a turtle loses its shell, is it naked or is it homeless? Right. <laughs> what, what a question. What a question. Uh, well, I think that would be in, definitely in the stupid category, wouldn't it? So we had a laugh about that. Is, uh, well, uh, and we, you've got to have a patient of a saint, I think, sometimes to put up with <laughs> well, things no, like that. Just, but then again, I found it amusing. I just found it amusing. In fact, some of the audience found it highly amusing as well. So it did, uh, um, it did make again, laugh that if you can put up with my questions, you can probably put up with uh, anything. Um, but th- there would have become a point, though, um, Jeff. I think um, you, you were a young man when see, this happened, when you must have realised that people, teammates, began looking at you for leadership. Um, is that something that occurred to you, or did you just realise that by, by one way or the other, people actually begin to look up for you for inspiration? Well, possibly. That's never really struck me until you've actually mentioned it now, quite frankly. That's a new a new question. Mm. Does anybody look up to me? I'm sure perhaps uh, there are. There are people who pay you compliments of, of uh, fans of, of West Ham and uh, of Stoke and, of course, in, uh, England fans who... Um, I, I think probably... Yeah, it would be very immodest of me to to suggest I, I felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration. Um, well, you, but, you don't but, have to, but I will. Uh, um, well, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it. Uh, perhaps, um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you, and um, uh, maybe uh, it has a, a helpful effect. Uh, but I do think you, you, how you behave and set examples on and off the pitch is people must realise that that's, that has an influence, how you react and behave mm. to, to situations on and off the field. Surely probably has an impact to younger players coming in into the team laterally. Um, yeah. And and with that, looking at um, uh, football today, uh, is there anybody that you think particularly on the field or the sidelines that strikes you as someone with... Um, those qualities that you could identify in a in a natural leader. Um, well, a, a player, current players, you mean? Oh, players, managers, anybody that uh, you look to today, really? Well, I think some of the outstanding. I think the, the, the best example about a, a leader and at the moment is is, is uh, Klopp at Liverpool. Mm. He has been absolutely fantastic to uh, acquire the players and get them to. Their attitude is absolutely fantastic. They're great players, but there's more than just being good players in football. It's a good player with a fantastic attitude and their willingness to work for each other and the team is absolutely outstanding. Hence these unbelievable results. There are, you know, and the great players not always succeed as, as individuals or probably even uh, certainly as a team if you haven't got the right attitude alongside it. And they're probably, and that that comes through the leadership. That's not just 
luck. Absolutely. That's, that's absolutely leading show. He'd be the best example, of course, in, in football terms today. Uh, easily, easily. And of course, but going back not that long ago, Alex Ferguson is just absolutely, mm. you've got to take him as the first example because Klopp's only done this for a period of time, a short period of time. But if you look at the 25, 26, 27 years that Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United and subsequently since he's gone, how they they are not doing so well. He's the best example of management I've seen, we've seen, we've probably ever seen. And I don't think anybody will see the light of that kind of leadership again. It's ast- absolutely astonishing, astonishing. And do you think, could you imagine uh, Sir Alf or even Ron Greenwood managing teams today? Yes, I think so. I think, yes, no, mm. no question at all. I think they, uh, Ron Greenwood, yeah, well, the, the answer, straightforward answer is yes. Um, they, answer. <laughs> the straightforward answer is yes. I can elaborate as much as you want, but the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes. Uh, and with, um, I know uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so, but um, I'm conscious of the um, time. Um, looking um, back uh, through your um, playing career, perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England, who was it uh, that struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of not just leadership, but uh, companionship and, and level-headedness that you think that have stuck with you all these years later? Well, I think we were, I was very fortunate and I wouldn't take any one player out. I think looking at so that, many. Yeah, so many, and that's why we were successful because we had so many um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned uh, throughout the team. I think that that was outstanding and, uh, uh, and it's an opportunity to talk about uh, all of them in, in that breath. And there was nobody, and I've been going back from an earlier, earlier question for me, that um, all hard-nosed professionals, good, good teammates, mm. good socially, and that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days every year uh, up until about five years ago of course with, with the uh, sadly dwindling yes. numbers we, we still got on our wives got on with, all together all those years later it didn't just finish after 66 it, that reunion that camaraderie that team spirit mm. the, um, uh, getting on with each other lasted for, for a long 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 time and I wouldn't I... When, it, when you put those, those questions and how you categorise those I would pick every one of the 11 players um, who you put in that category that were like that. And there was nobody else. They were all outstanding. And I think that was a big part. I can't stress how big a part that was. And I've said that many, many times for the success of the team. We had some great players. We had some great players, of course. But without the attitude (laughs) alongside that, going back to an earlier question, we wouldn't have been as uh, ultimately, ultimately as successful. Exactly. Without that, you, the, the the whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts. But with it, yes, the word, the word is team. the word is the word is team. Absolutely. And I always use the word team when I talk. Sometimes you know, together, everyone achieves more, and that that's the same in any walk of life. That, that's fundamental. And uh, lastly, Jeff, uh, looking if if you were to uh, give advice, and whether this is in sport or business or indeed any other walk of life. What would you identify, if you can, as the key tenant 
that you can't go without in terms of leading a team, no matter what that team is? Single-mindedness, single-mindedness, dedication, dedication to the job. Um, thinking about that 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 role, that job in leadership all the time. It's a huge part of your life. I don't think you can switch off when you're in, in business at the top level or sport at the top level. You may, you know, have a, way, have a couple of weeks holiday, but I'm even sure if, if these top managers and lead, leaders in all walks of life are away on holiday on a beach somewhere warm, I'm sure there's not, uh, there's, they will not switch off for, for two weeks um, and completely uh, not think about their role as the boss of an organisation. And I think that's, you're completely focused, you're always thinking about uh, things, thinking about improvements, and it's just dedication and uh, uh, tuning your life to being successful. Excellent. Well, Jeff, on that point, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Very good to, nice to have a talk about this and just go over the, go over the past and just uh, refresh my, mem- my own memory about the quality of the players I grew up with. Excellent. Uh, another time, uh, it would be great to talk again. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. This has been the Leaders' Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence and leadership with us. I have been your host, Matthew O'Neill. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders' Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries, members of staff, other guests, or any other person therein associated.